Hello, welcome to the Grace Life Podcast. The message you're about to hear, if diligently applied, will absolutely change your life. We're praying that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, will give unto you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of Him, thereby allowing the eyes of your understanding to be enlightened. Now let's join the service already in progress with Pastor West. last night this just got real (laughs) amen (laughs) Uh, you know it's like uh, I don't I don't quote quote Mike Tyson a whole lot but uh, (laughs) they told him one time remember when he was just knocking everybody out remember that and everybody thought he'll never lose a fight and he really shouldn't have probably if he hadn't got mixed up with some demonic stuff he wouldn't have but uh, they were interviewing him and said, uh, you know, this guy you're about to fight, he says that he has a plan to take you down. And he said, uh, everybody's got a plan until they get hit in the mouth. <laughs> <laughs> you may have a plan for what you think church is going to be. Uh-oh. But that just hit me in the mouth. So my plan has to change if I'm not lined up with that because that's exactly how it's going to be except worse. Hopefully there's just that few of people in that church when that happens, but I don't know. That's what we're here to say. (laughs) That's what we're here to make sure. That's what God has called us to go around and make sure that there's that few people left when it hits. And you want to be one of those that's gone. You don't want to be one of those in the aisle. (laughs) Amen? Now, I know we know that, but the truth is, as Pastor was talking there, I thought of the Scripture where it says, this is Colossians chapter 3. Go ahead and turn there and look at Colossians chapter 3. And uh, we are just so excited to be here. We had a great time last night. A lot of things happened last night. But uh, what we want to do when when we're gone here, I want to be able to say... We left everything on the field. <laughs> you, you heard that term before, leave it all on the field. Go big or go home. And so what you have to do is you've got to make your mind up that you're not going to leave here without what God has for you today because He has an impartation for you today. Amen. Amen. He's got something for every single person in this room. And you just have to say, God, I'm going to have it. I'm not going to leave without it. Amen. You have to make up your mind. You have to decide in your heart. You know, uh, you know it, even, it even talks about that when you're giving. It says don't be, don't be uh, forced into giving. Don't, don't, don't do it based on need or necessity or any of those things. It says you decide in your own heart, out of, a, out of your heart, what you're going to do and do it. And that's how you get the, the, the blessing for it. But Colossians chapter 3, verse 1 says, Now I learned something last night. I learned that I didn't want to follow my wife teaching anymore. <laughs> She's going to follow me today. I'm, I'm telling you, I, I may not have been born last... I was born in a night, but it wasn't last night. I may not be the sharpest knife in the drawer, but I'm not the dullest one either. Amen. <laughs> so praise God. Uh, uh, Colossians chapter 3 verse 1 says, If then you were raised with Christ, if then you... if then, You know, this is... This is saying, you may, you have to make, you know, check yourself. If you were raised with Christ, it doesn't say since you were raised with Christ. It says if you were raised with Christ. Right. Amen. Thank God for Pastor C and Michael there. Michael, I raised Michael from a little. <laughs> we love each other. He's, we're just, just good friends. So praise God. If then you were raised with Christ, seek those things which are above. Now the world says. That if you're a Christian and you're a believer and you uh, expect to hear God's voice, you're mentally ill. That's, what, that's the thing that's going on in the world. Thank, I, I'm going to tell you something. This, this woman that said this on The View, this, this thing on The View, and uh, I'm mentioning that because I know it's going out on that deal right there. So all of you that are on Facebook and, all, and watching this, we welcome you this morning. Amen. All over the world, I understand that all over the world this broadcast is going out. So we call you blessed in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Grace Life Church. Grace Life Church and Randy Green Ministries calls you blessed. So you receive it. You're going to get something out of this today. Don't 
settle for less. Amen? Amen. Praise God. But uh, this, that, I, I got to kind of give that lady props. She had enough guts to say what the world's thinking all the time. You know, that's kind of how Paul was. I mean, Peter was. You remember how Peter was? he just say what everybody else was thinking. Now, it got him in trouble sometime, but it also got him about 3,000 people saved at one time. Yeah, yeah. Come on. So I'll, I'll take that. Yeah. I'll say something every now and then that might get a little off, but, I, but I'm gonna, we're going to get the other part too. Amen? Yeah. So, uh, so but, but that's what the world thinks. The world is upside down, and they think you're upside down. But this right here makes you right side up. Because this is, I'm going to tell you what this is right here. I'm talking about the Bible, the Word of God. This is the only truth in the universe. That's right. There is no other truth. No. Amen? Everything that comes out that has any truth in it has to have its basis or its foundation from this Bible right here. Everything else is just uh, speculation. Amen? So if, if that's the truth, then at least, surely Christians ought to know what this says. Amen? Uh, if then we were raised with Christ, seek the, if then you were raised with Christ, so seek those things which are above, where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things above. The world says, y'all are too heavenly minded to be any earthly good. That's just an absolute impossibility. The more heavenly minded you are, the more earthly good you're going to be. Because you can't do anything on this earth good without heaven. Jesus said it. I, I quoted it last night. Pray this way, y'all. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as in heaven. Right? Yeah. So what we want is more heaven down here. Yeah. We want more glory. Amen. Your house is supposed to be filled with glory. Miss Mary's got some stories about, about the house where she's just, I mean, they're wonderful. The glory cloud. Amen? Amen. Uh, Set your minds on things above, not on things on the earth. Well, that's just opposite of what the world says. Yeah. You've got to go, you be a go-getter. Now, the Bible also says if you don't work, you don't eat. Right. It also indicates that you've kind of got to have a little bit of ambition about something or you're not going to have anything, right? right. So, but here's the deal. You're supposed to be led by the Spirit, not driven by the world. Uh -oh. I, I'm a, I, I, raised, I was raised on a farm. I'm not a farmer. My granddaddy was a farmer. <laughs> so when I tried to farm, I failed. Because <laughs> I'm not a farmer. My daddy had a saying for that kind of thing. Because I would tell people, we're farmers. We, I was raised on a farm. And he said, yeah, we killed a bear, but daddy shot it. <laughs> he still has that saying. He still, he still uses that ever, occasionally. <laughs> Yeah, that's how we do. Well, yeah, I've, I have, we have a business, and I've hired several pe people over the years. And good, good people, not a big deal, but I hired, I hired a guy, for instance, that said, I'm an electrician. I said, cool. Now, what he meant was he helped his granddaddy electri do electricity yeah. one time. <laughs> and I found out when I sawed the cord off of my hand, my brand, not brand new, but my, my good Makita hand uh, uh, skill saw, I, I set it down and sawed the cord into, which is going to happen occasionally. And so I said, here's your first job. You're going to wire that cord back together. And when he got through, you could have jumped out of an airplane with that cord and it would have hung something before it got to the ground. Because he doubled it, wrapped it, taped it. I'm like, how am I going to use this? So I, I said, I, we have a definition problem. I am a Christian. Wait a minute. Let's have a definition. I am a believer. Let's have, a let's have a definition. A believer, what does a believer do? They believe. They just flat believe. They won't, be, they won't be stopped. They just believe. You, if they see something in the Word of God, they're going to believe it. If it absolutely has absolutely no merit, if it has no physical ability, if it has no power to do it naturally, they just believe it anyway. Now, I used to have a problem with that when I was a new Christian. I thought, how can you just believe something that's impossible? Well... I established last night that Pastor here believes that he was born in Detroit, Michigan. For all he knows, actually, he might have been under the witness protection plan or something. <laughs> I, I don't know. I don't know. Yeah. Might want to turn the camera the other way. I'm just saying, he believes something that he has no proof for. 
except that his somebody he trusted told him that. And, and we believe them. That, that's true. I'm, you know, I'm being silly a little bit. But the truth is, how much stuff do we actually believe that we have no basis, no evidence, no proof for? Amen. So why, what's, wrong, what's the deal then? Well, I guess I can decide what I believe. My parents told me I was born in Holy Name of Jesus Hospital in Gaston, Alabama. So I believed them. I, I, what? I mean, I was there, I guess. Mm-hmm. I don't remember it. The Bible says that you can have what you say. But I had trouble believing that for a long time. Now, you, you, you're supposed to have, as you get born again, you're supposed to have some time to, to build yourself up. But if you've been born again 10 years or, 10, or, or 2 years or 5 or whatever, and you're still having problems believing what... Some things that the Bible says, but yet you'll sit there and believe that you're born again, which is the most amazing miracle that there is. Yes, it is. A, bo- a dead spirit be- is resurrected and made alive. And you believe that with all your heart and you have a reality of it. You know you're going to heaven. You know you're not going to hell. And then somebody says, well, you know, you can believe God for, for your finances. Well, I- I'm talking about me now. Okay, so don't, don't be offended. I'm talking about how I was. I would hear stuff like this and think, yeah, but you just don't understand. <laughs> no, they, they understood. And it was my, it was my uh, responsibility to make sure that I began to understand, which is to say, I'm going to believe what I hear. If it comes out of this word, if it has an anointing on it, I'm going to believe it with no absolute pr- no proof at all. So here's what you're going to do today. I love you, but you're not going to leave here the way you came in. You have to make up your mind right now that you're going to have. That's our ministry. That's one of the things that the, the things that God put in us and told us. Make sure that when you go, you give an impartation. If you're not going to do that, don't go. Stay, stay at your church. We've got a church in Rainbow City. Uh, that we, I'm the associate pastor. Miss Mary does children's church. I do the youth. Uh, we are involved with that church. But God brought us because we have something to give. We have something to impart. Amen? So make sure you get it. Just make up your mind right now. Matter of fact, raise your hand. Close your eyes. Look up toward heaven with your eyes closed. And raise your hand and say, God, I refuse to leave this place without what you have for me. You've got what I need. I want it. In Jesus' name. Amen. Praise God. Glory to God. So he goes on right here and he says, Set your minds on things above, not on things of the earth. For you, for you died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. So you're not you anymore. After you got born again, you became a new creation, right? Can I tell them what you call that new thing? It's a DNA change. I stole part of her lesson there. But it's a, that's a DNA change. You had a DNA change. Now that's why you can believe something one day and get born again and believe something totally different. You can believe one day that you're no good, that you're not going to have anything, and you're never going to amount to anything. And then you can get saved and turn right around and say, well, I'm a child of the king. What? How'd that happen? I ha- I'm not the same person I was yesterday. I'm not the same person I was the millisecond before I received what God did for me. Now I'm a new creation. My whole DNA has changed. I'm a hybrid now. Amen? Amen. And and now I have the ability to go into the the spirit realm and get everything I need. Because that's where it's at. You don't need more money. You just need to use the faith that God gave you to go into the spirit realm and appropriate what's already been given to you. When you see what God has put in your account, when you get to heaven, I hope you don't go, oh my God, I can't believe that. Now, like Miss Mary said last night, we don't want a lot of talk when we see Jesus. We want to hear, enter in, good and faithful servant. Now, that's what we're, that's what we're listening for. Now, but, but we're going to have... You know, the Bible says your tears are all going to be dried. All the tears are going, what are you, what are you crying about? <laughs> yeah. It could be the stuff that we've, we didn't walk in when we had the opportunity. Amen? But it'll be okay. But, but I say if we know that, we ought to just, just receive it. 
Amen. It says right here in verse uh, verse three, you you're dead. Your life is hidden with Christ, uh, hidden with Christ in God. Mm-hmm. Now listen, this this is the part I wanted to get to. The first part of verse four. It says, "When Christ, who is our life, when Christ, who is our life, you don't have a life if you you didn't have a life before you got born again." I've heard people say that. Well, I don't, you know, going to church and everything. I, you know, I want to have a life. You don't have one till you get to church and get saved. All right. You don't have a life. Amen? That's true. That's good. Till you get God involved with your life, your life is worthless. It doesn't mean you can't go do good things. I mean, I know people that do more good deeds than I do. I know people that have, you know, I, I've, I've learned, I was in the car business for about seven years, and I learned a lot about how to treat people right in the car business. Now, you'd think that'd be backward. But the truth is, people are what, not what they do, they're what they are. That's right. You're not what you do. Because people would ask me when I, you know, after the deal was made and everything, usually it would, everything would lighten up. People say, well, what'd you do before you, before you got in the car business? I was a minister. <laughs> what happened to you? And, I felt, I, and most of the time I felt like, yeah, it kind of feels that way. But the truth was, I just told them the truth, which is, hey, I wasn't a liar and a cheater and a stealer and a thief and all before I got in the, you know, when I was a minister. So I'm not going to be one while I'm a car salesman. That's right. Amen? Because you're not what you do. You are who you are. And I learned a lot of good uh, things in that, in that business from people that had a better idea about what was right than I did. So what I'm saying is, you may know people that do more good deeds than Christians. And that's what the world will say. Well, I do, I do good stuff. I don't, I don't kill nobody. That's what the world will say. But it's not about that. It's about what what you are as a person. It's about if you've been born again or not. Amen? Amen. So, right here, verse 4, when Christ who is our life appears, then you also will appear with Him in glory. So say this, Christ, Christ. that's my life. life. I didn't have a life before Christ. Christ. Amen? Praise God. Glory to God. Well, I wanted to say that because, uh, you know, that's important that you realize that you're not behind. You know, we, a lot of times that, that's, the, that's how Christians are portrayed. As I said, on the, on the, in the media and on these, other, these celebrities and, and other people, we're, we're just kind of, kind of, we just kind of don't get it. We're just kind of behind. And that's why we have to have our Bible because we can't do it any other way. No, there is no other way. We have rejected all the stuff that we didn't need and received the Bible, right? So we've got to keep our minds right about who we are. See, we're the children of the king. We're not the paupers. We're not the ones that are on poor, poor street. We're the children of the king. Yes. Amen? Amen? Praise God. Well, uh, I wanted to get in today about our ministry, what we, you know, we talked about it a little bit last night, and I told you that I was going to tell you some things. And Miss Mary's going to tell about the, uh, the time compression that we had uh, a couple of months ago. I'm, I'm calling it that, and you'll know what I'm talking about. It sounds weird, but you'll know what I'm talking about when she tells it. But uh, I'm just saying that so I won't tell it. <laughs> I won't get excited and teach that because she'll be sitting there going. <laughs> now, you've got to stay ready to do the will of God, and you've got to be spiritually ready. So you don't need more, you don't need more natural ability. You need more spi- spiritual ability. And you've been given grace, which is grace is... God's overwhelming desire to treat you like you never did anything wrong. That's what grace is. It's God saying, I'm going to have faith. God says it like this about you and me. He said this about us before we were saved, before we were even born. He knew how we were going to be. He knew that we were going to be born in sin. But He said, I see Randy Green, I see Eric West, and I'm going to have the faith to give him grace. I'm going to use my faith. See, God uses His faith. And God said, let there be. Right? That was God making His faith work for Him. You know, I said last night, you've got to make your faith work for you. You're not working for faith. You're not working for grace. You're not working for favor. You're not working for any of those things. Those belong to you. Right? Because I've tried it. I've tried to work for it. I've, I've been in a, a situation where I needed the favor of God. In business or in church, we've pastored for... Uh, seven years, we 
you know, until I, until we started traveling and teaching. Now, we have traveled before when we pastored. We came here many years ago and taught. But, but officially, we never traveled and taught, and that was, that was our thing. This, this was the only thing we hadn't done in church yet. <laughs> From cleaning the toilets to senior pastors. Okay? Some of y'all are grinning because you, you're in that. You've been doing all that. <laughs> you're the one, you know, you've done that. And so, we, uh, but when God began to deal with us about going out, because seven, uh, going on eight years ago, we started a business full-time. She works at full-time. She's the CEO of the business. I'm the COO. Amen. And so, but we got to, uh, God began to deal with us about things. And we got to realizing that we were going to have to do the will of God for our life and have what God wanted us to have. If, if we were going to do it, we just had to step out and do it. Sometimes you've got to, got to step out and do it. Sometimes you can't just wait around and wait around because I've heard people say stuff like that. Well, I'm going, I'm going to get my business going and then I'm going to do my ministry. Whoa, I'm out. I'm not saying you can't do that. I, we kind of did that in a, in a sense, but the truth is it got to the point where God said, hey, do, do, you, do you want to do what I say? And we, we just said, yeah, yeah, we want to do what you say. And you have, to get, you have to come to that in your life. Amen? Uh, no matter what I think I need. Now, this is something I've written down right here. No matter what I think I need, what I really need is an increase in my spirituality. I need more God in my life. No matter what you think you need, what you really need is more of God in your life. Because if you get more of God in your life, what you need will be taken care of. Bible says that. Seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness and all this stuff will be added, right? God's not against the stuff, but He don't want you to go around Him to try to get it. <coughs> Amen? He wants you to go through Him to get it. He wants you to receive it from Him. He's a good dad. You know, we, we, I've treated Him before like, like He was a monster. I've done that. And, and everybody's done that to a certain extent where we say, well, God... I'm doing the best I can do. I'm working all I can. I'm praying all I can. I'm reading all I can. I'm fasting. I'm doing all this stuff. And he's saying, well, you know, I, I'd like to do something for that, but you're not using any faith. You just think you're going to earn something because you're doing a lot of work and you're sweating real hard. Yeah. I love you. But I, got, I came here to tell you that there's a better way than that. There's a better way to have what God wants you to have. Just like if a person on this earth that was wealthy and able to do anything you needed came to you and said, tell me what you want me to do for you. You know there's a lot of people that wouldn't be able to tell him, tell him what they wanted. And it would not be because they didn't think it could be done. It would be because they thought, I just don't think I deserve that. Well, the truth is we don't deserve anything from God. He, had, he used His faith and gave it to us by grace. Amen? Amen. Amen. So we have to receive it. Yeah. All right, let's look at uh, Ephesians chapter 5 for a second. Ephesians chapter 5. Now, yeah, that's right, Lord, I thank you. Thank you, Lord. Lord's reminded me of what I, the direction I needed to go here. Because I want to start with... Uh, with where I started in my Christianity. I was, uh, Ephesians 5, verse 1 says, Therefore be imitators of God as dear children. Now how does a kid imitate a dad or a, or a, or a, or a mom? They copy them. They walk, try to walk in the same steps, right? They watch them and they do. Now that's positive and negative. <laughs> Amen. They might see something that you don't want them to do. Right? But they just try to act like them. They imitate them. Well, when I, when I got born again, I, it was August the 26th, 1987. And uh, I worked in uh, the steel industry in Anniston. I worked in a forge shop. We, we had one of the largest forge pre forging presses in the world. A 6,000 ton forging press that I worked on. The part that we ran on this press... I weighed about 140 pounds soaking wet, and this part weighed 196 pounds. So I had to move this part around with a set of tongs and run this part. Well, 
went on there for a little ways. I'd gotten saved, and you talked about last night making a decision to come to church, and it's just a decision. It's not because you don't have enough time. Did you know that every human being on the earth has the same amount of time? <laughs> we all got 24 hours in a day, right? Does anybody know? Have y'all got more than that? Because if you do, I want to talk to you after the service. <laughs> yeah, they got Somebody just got 22. They can't talk to me. That two hours is gone. <laughs> but we all have the same amount of time. So, so I got saved, and Pastor Gene Hollis uh, was just a bold man of God that just said, this is how you do it. He, I had known him for years. Him and my dad were like, he was like a son to my dad. He's, Pastor Gene was 11 years older than me. Of course, my dad was 12, 13, 14 years older than him. My dad built cabinets. And Pastor Gene was in the building industry, uh, contractor. And so uh, they just, his dad had moved off and uh, didn't live close. So daddy just kind of befriended him and mentored him. And they, they just, and, and I was just the kid running around the house. I was just a little 15, 16 year old kid that was just kind of getting in the way all the time. He used to try to pay my daddy to whip me. So I'll give you $20 if you let me just whip his tail. <laughs> no, I'm going to get him. That's what daddy said. I'm going to get him. He said, yeah, he never did. He never did get me. <laughs> and so uh, the, the one thing, if I could say something negative about my mom and dad, they were just great people. But it was that they didn't get me. They didn't whip me enough. So that's pretty good if you can say that, right? No, I'm not going on Oprah talking about how they did me. That they probably won't want to hear that. So Pastor Gene's hanging around down there, and, and, and so... Uh, I grow up, I get grown, and he goes off to Ramah and uh, comes back and takes a little bitty church over on Canoe Creek there in Rainbow City. And I'm coming by there one day, and I see him standing in the parking lot. So I pull in there. Well, about two hours later, he gets finished preaching to me. And uh, I didn't not receive it, but, you know, I was just a, I was the, well, I'm, I've got my life, you know, I'm, I was married and had couple of kids, you know, I've got my life going like I want it to go. But what happened was he planted a seed. So a couple of years later, I went to Bethesda for the first time. Now, the first time I went to Bethesda, uh, Bethesda Christian Center, Rainbow City, I, some folks invited me and they sat me on the second row against the wall. And the whole church was about as wide as these, these, Right here, the wall was there, so I was sitting against the wall. If I hadn't have been sitting against the wall, as soon as the music started, kind of like y'all's music, I'd have left. Because there was no reason for anybody to be that loud or excited about anything in church. Now, I'd go to a ball game and scream till I was hoarse. But now church, you don't do that. You sit, you listen, and you be respectful. So I left that service saying, I don't know where I'll be next Sunday, but I'll tell you where I won't be. I won't be at Bethesda, Bethesda here. I won't be there. <laughs> I wasn't either. I was a man of my word. But the next week, I was sitting there on the front row, and I got born again that morning because of that seed that was planted a couple years ago. Don't ever underestimate a seed that you plant in somebody. Don't ever underestimate that. If you have a hundred, if a person has a hundred, what if I have a hundred main big events in my life? Just a hundred, counting marriage, counting kids being born, all that. Just to say a person has a hundred of those, 50 of them negative and 50 of them positive maybe even. And then I, one event in my life, I remember it like it was yesterday and it was 31 years ago. One event, sitting in a parking lot, talking to a person, I can still feel how I felt when I was standing there. Don't tell me God can't touch a person and plant a seed in them. Amen? Amen. Don't ever underestimate what you tell folks. And so, got born again, and I still worked at this place. And and that was in August when I got born again, so it was about October. I had gotten a different job in in the plant there. I was grinding dyes. I was in the whole plant completely by myself, huge plant. And, uh, I have to wear uh, all the clothes for grinding because these little fine burrs were getting, I had my eyes drilled out two or three times. But all that stuff would get all over you. had masks, shield, glasses, everything. Wrap a rag around your head to keep it from getting on you. I'm under the press. It's loud. 
I've got a fan that's 220 fan right behind me that blows all that stuff out the back. It's just like, if it was in here, we wouldn't be able to talk. That's how loud it was. And I heard somebody behind me say, tell my people. So, I get out from under the press. I take my stuff off to find out who said that. That's how loud it was. Now, here's the thing you got to understand about this. I got back on, got all my stuff back on, got back under the press. Been there a few minutes. <laughs> Tell my people. Now, I'm not, again, I'm not the sharpest knife in the drawer at this time. I get back out. Now, here's what I want you to see. I'd never heard the story about God coming to the man of God and saying, calling his name and him going to his daddy and said, you call me? I'd never heard that story, so I didn't have a reference for this. I'm a baby Christian. I'm a brand new Christian. And he said, tell my people. That's happened three times. The third time, I did stay under there. I didn't come out and, and try to see who was there because I knew it was God. I'm a little, I was a little slow. Three times. But I didn't get the rest of that story. That was about October, as best I can figure it, of 87 I didn't get the rest of that story till October of 17, 30 years. Right around October is when God told me, tell my people to wake up and be restored. He gave me the rest. 30 years I waited. And now we were ministering all the time, but don't ever think God's going to give up on you. Don't ever think God hadn't got time for you. Don't ever... Let your mind or the devil tell you that you have, your time has passed and you've forfeited it. I've done. Again, like, like Pastor said last night, if you want to compare mess-ups <laughs> or attacks from the enemy, you'll be squalling by the time you hear mine. So I've done plenty of stuff to forfeit what God wanted me to have. But I'm standing here right now as strong spiritually as I've ever been in my whole life and ministry and fulfilling what God wants me to do. And you can do it too. Come on. Amen. And it's not because I'm a minister. Miss Mary's going to tell you about that when she gets up here. It's because I'm a believer. You're not supposed to be a convert your whole life. You're a disciple. You know, Paul was converted. And then as soon as he was converted... He went to the place God told him to, and then as soon as he got converted, God did what? He gave him back his, he gave him his vision. He gave him his, first thing that happened, he's got his vision back. Now, he didn't run around and start talking about the gospel at that point. He went somewhere 14 years. You know what he was doing? He was becoming a disciple. And when he talks about Jesus, he acts like he walked with him just like Peter did. Yeah, he does. Don't he? Now, I don't know that he never, he may have met him, but he was not a disciple. <laughs> Matter of fact, when he found out who liked Jesus, he went and killed him or had him killed or took letters to have him yeah. put in prison. He was zealous. But he didn't become a coward when he got saved either. Right. He took that same zeal and converted it into what God wanted him to have. So you're not just a convert. You're supposed to be converted. If you're not saved, you get saved. But, it, but this part I'm going to tell you here where God told me to tell my people, tell my people to wake up and be restored. Now, I like getting people born again. I can do it. I enjoy leading people to Jesus. But those are not God's people yet. So He told us to tell my people. That's why we're coming to churches. That's why I'm telling you, you need to check and make sure you're awake. Because it's not my, that's not for me to say, it's for me to put the, for us to put that out there and you say, am, am I? Because here's, here's, let me tell you this. About a year ago or so, now this has been coming on, but about a year or so, maybe six or seven, eight months ago, I started realizing something about my life. I was, I was uh, a church person. I was in the business of church. And, and I could have give you a resume that said, well, he does plenty of church. Associate pastor, youth, I've already told you about that. Youth pastor, all this stuff. But I was essentially backslidden. I was essentially lukewarm for God because I had my business that I was doing for uh, full time 
And then I had pretty much church full time. So you say, well, how can that happen? Well, what happens is you can hide in a church pew. You can hide in children's church. You can hide in the youth. If you, if you decide to, you don't have to. You're not supposed to, but you can. And basically that's what I was doing. I don't recommend movies ever. But there's a movie. Don't go watch it. I'm going to tell you all you need to know about it, okay? You can get in trouble recommending movies. It's the movie of uh, it's, it's, uh, Sherlock Holmes, one of those Sherlock Holmes movies. with old, uh, What's his name that plays it? Robert Downey Jr. and this other guy. And he comes to see Robert Downey Jr., Sherlock Holmes. What's the other guy's name? And no, the, uh, his Watson goes to see Holmes. I'm glad you're here, buddy. <laughs> you're preaching. <laughs> Knew it was going to happen. Uh, <laughs> amen. Uh, he goes to see Sherlock Holmes, and when he comes down, the, they, they talk for a while, and they go down to leave. And he comes down. Sherlock Holmes got this disguise on. He's got a big beard on, got, got a hat and everything. But they go outside in the front of the house, get in Sherlock Holmes' car, and start driving down the road. And Holmes is looking at him like, he said, I thought you were, uh, I thought you were, people were after you. He said, I'm being so overt, it's covert. That's what Christians do. Sit in a pew, hallelujah. I'm so overt, and that's how I was. Well, when I started seeing that, I started realizing I was going to have to make a change in my life. And basically what I did is I rededicated my life to God. I don't know any other way to say it. Well, what What were you doing? I'm not going through the list or anything like that. I, I will tell you one thing that I was. I was an angry human being. You know who I was the most mad at? Me. I had no patience with me. You ever been like that? I had no patience. I would do something wrong and I'd be mad for 30 minutes. I, that's the dumbest thing I've ever... Do <sighs> you know you're not supposed to call yourself a dummy? You know that your words are the most important words in your life? Yeah. And when you do something, you're supposed to forgive you just like you would anybody else? Uh-oh. I, 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 God really dealt with me about that. He said, you just get mad at yourself. You're not an idiot, Randy. So I had to forgive myself. I had to say, you know what? That's right. You know, the Bible says be angry, but sin not. You know, there's, there's an anger. You, know, you ought to get mad when you hear somebody on in the media say something crazy about Christians. It ought to make you mad, but you don't. But what you don't do is curse them. What you don't do is what? Because you can get to thinking, you can actually get to get that Noah spirit on you. I'll be glad when they get to hell. Noah, that's, remember what, that's what happened to Noah? Uh, not Noah, Jonah. Jonah, I'm sorry, Jonah. Wrong story. Jonah's spirit. Jonah said, remember what he did? They tell him, God tells him, you're going to go preach to them people, the Ninevites? No, I'm not. <laughs> oh, no. I may go to Capernaum and I may go to, but I ain't going to Nineveh. He said, well, hang right there. Just sit right there just a minute. <laughs> be still. <laughs> Stay right there. Bloom. <laughs> Bloom. <laughs> Wonder where I'm at. <laughs> Nineveh. That's where you at. Just hold where you're at, Mr. Stubborn. Sit right there just a minute and I'll fix this for you. <laughs> but do you remember what happened? You remember what the Ninevites did to his people? If you know the story, they just were they were just brutal. They killed Jonah's people. Brutally, I'm not going to go into it. You can read it in the Bible. It's terrible what they did to him. He had every right not to go there. Just like you have every right to be mad at the world or not witness. You have the right as a human not to do that, but not as a Christian. Your rights as a Christian. Let me give you your bill of rights as a Christian. Find out what God wants you to do and do it. No more instruction needed. 
There may be some, you know, there may be some, you know, ways to do it because the truth is God never gives correction unless He first gives instruction. The reason He ever gives correction is because we didn't do what He instructed us. Well, God's just, God's just correcting me. Well, we'll start doing what He said. Start listening and doing what He said. Amen? Because if you do that, he, won't, he doesn't want to do that. Do you want to correct your kids? Do you want your kids to do stuff so that you can say, now don't do that? No. You want them to do the right thing, but you know, as parents, we've got to make sure we've given them the right instruction. Our business is a lot about you know, building and doing things like that, so I gotta, I've got to tell my guys how to do it. I can't come around mad at lunchtime going, why haven't y'all got anything done? Well, you didn't tell us what to do. We're trying. I mean, we're doing all we can do. But you have the plan. So you have the plan for your life. God has given you instruction. Say this, I always hear the Holy Ghost. He knows everything and He wants me to know it. In Jesus' name, hallelujah. Glory to God. So we, we uh, uh, I told about, and we, we, got, we got our life straight with God. That's the main thing. We got our life right with God. And you say, well, I know, I know what our minds think. Well, What's the, you know, because people want to know, am I, you know, what am I doing? That's, you have to make sure in your mind, here's what you got to have. You got to have a hand holding, walking, talking relationship with the Holy Spirit. You have to go to God. Grace says, I'm going to go to God because I've been forgiven already, not because I'm, I'm going to have to try to get something from Him. See what I mean? Now, I'm going to tell a state trooper story here. I don't know why we always tell speeding stories. Why do you think that is? But I'm, I don't speed much because I'm just like an old rusty car. <laughs> <laughs> That's a last night inside joke. <laughs> I knew I could get him back. But uh, when you get, if, you, if you're going down the road and you get too fast, and you get pulled over, and they comes up and says, you were doing 100 miles an hour, sir, and you were weaving over the road, and you couldn't stay in your lane, but I'm going to give you a warning and let you go. Have a good day, sir. Now, your reaction to that right there is your reaction that you pull out and sling gravel on the on the state trooper and think, well, now I can go 120 miles an hour. Is that ever, does that ever go through your mind or do you go, I'm going to watch my speed limit now. I have the ability now to obey what I've been told and I've been released. That's what grace is. I'm not looking for a way to speed. I'm going to watch the sign and I'm going to go the right. And I have now, since I've been released, this guy told me I could go the speed limit if I wanted to. And you'll feel good about going the speed limit after you don't have to pay that $300 ticket. <laughs> now, do you see that with grace? If you're looking for grace so that you can do something wrong or that you can get around what God wants, like Miss Mary said, you probably need to get born again. Amen? Amen. Praise God. Well, I think I'm done. Come on, sister. Glory, glory, glory. Now get ready. Wake up. Time to be restored. Amen? Amen. Praise God. Praise the Lord. All right, I'm going to get right in. That was good. Matthew. I keep hearing in my spirit, come up higher, come up higher. I keep hearing it over and over. So when I start hearing something more than once, I start paying attention to it. And Matthew, I'm going to start Matthew chapter 7. Because that's where we are as a church. You know, uh, Randy read Colossians. Three, one. That's where we are. That's our higher place that we're coming to. We've got to come to the place where our mind is on the things of the Lord. Because there's something there. Seek first the kingdom is not just a, it's not just 
well, you know, just seek for it. There's something there for it to, that's there to be found. And so we want to know what that is because that keeps us in a high place of fruitfulness with God. Matthew chapter 7, verse 13. Enter by the narrow gate, for wide is the gate and broad is the way that leads to destruction. And there are many who go in by it. Because narrow is the gate and difficult is the way which leads to life. And there are few who find it. That puzzled me for years, that scripture, because I thought, Lord, why does that say there are few who find it? That can't be. It cannot mean that there are a few people going to heaven. I just don't believe that. And so I just studied and studied and prayed about that and just meditated on that. And through time, the Holy Spirit started showing me he's not talking about heaven, heaven necessarily. He's talking about the kingdom of God and our road there, and our path, our life. So you can have two options. You can live the low life, or you can live the high life. In, in, in your Christianity, and what Randy was talking about, you know, God woke us up. Now, were, were we in sin, what the world calls sin, or even what the church? No. But we were just busy. We were busy about doing church. We were there every time the doors were open. Anytime something extra needed to be done, we were there. We were faithful and loyal. That never changed. But our zeal for God, the wine, we were doing it, had just, it's, it's like you just kind of become indifferent about it. You become bored with it. You forget that there's a call on your life, no matter who you are, workplace or ministry, there's a call on your life. And so what God just shook us and said, hey, and, and, and the reason is time's short. We've got, to, we've got to do some things before Jesus comes back. There's something that we've got to do. So I started studying this, and let me drop down in verse 21. He talks about, you know, every good tree and bad tree and the, their fruit prior to this. But verse 21 says, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom of heaven. But he who does the will of my Father in heaven, many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in your name, cast out demons in your name, and done many wonders in your name? And then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you who practice lawlessness. All right, go to Luke chapter 13. I'm going to read these back to back very quickly. Chapter 13, verse 24. It says, Strive to enter through the narrow gate, for many, I say to you, will seek to enter and will not be able. When once the master of the house has risen up and shut the door, and you begin to stand outside and knock at the door, saying, Lord, Lord, open for us. And he will answer and say to you, I do not know you or where you are from. Then you will begin to say, We ate and drank in your presence, and you taught in our streets. But he will say, I tell you, I do not know you, where you are from. Depart from me, all you who workers of iniquity. Now that, you know, you've got, and let me go to one more scripture before I comment. Go back to Matthew 20, 25. I want to keep these together. Now this is about the ten virgins. All, all have to do with each other. But I'm going to start with verse 1. Then the kingdom of heaven shall be likened to ten virgins who look, took their lamps and went out to meet the bridegroom. Now five of them were wise and five were foolish. Those who were foolish took their lamps and took no oil with them. But the wise took oil in their vessels with their lamp. But while the bridegroom was delayed, they all slumbered and slept. And at midnight a cry was heard, Behold, the bridegroom is coming. Go out to meet him. Then all those virgins arose, trimmed their lamps, and the, the wise virgins. And the foolish said to the wise, Give us some of your oil, for our lamps go at, are going out. But the wise answered, saying, No, lest there should not be enough for us and you. But go rather to those who sell and buy for yourselves. And while they went to buy, the bridegroom came, and those who were ready went into him in the wedding, and the door was shut. Afterward, the other virgins came also, saying, Lord, Lord, open to us. But he answered and said, Assuredly, I say to you, I do not know you. Now, in all three of those passages, Jesus only told them one thing. I don't know you. 
I don't know you or where you're from. He didn't say, no, you've, there, the list is a mile long of things that you've done that don't please me. He didn't say any of that. He said, I don't know you. And that's what... That's why we're here. That's what God has mandated us to do, is to tell my people, I've got to know you. You know, in, um, in John chapter 15, and it, it talks about, I'm the vine, you are the branches. But that verse, first scripture there says, all those in me that do not bear fruit, he cuts off. And I saw that in me, that in, in me. Wait a minute. These are people that are supposed to know God. But the truth is, does he know you? And so that really started me doing a, Pastor Gene always called it a checkup from the neck up, you know. Get, you know, get my mind right. What, Jesus, are you in me? Am I fruitful? Because the word says, if I'm in you and you're in me, then I'm fruitful and I'm your disciple. It's not just being Christ. I've heard a lot of teaching about being in Christ, and we definitely are supposed to be in Christ. But the question is, is Christ in you? Does he know us? And it's just like Pastor Andy was saying, it's a hand-holding, walk-and-talking relationship. That's why we do the things that we do is when we read and we pray and we're, we come to church. It's the reason why. It's because we love Him and we want to know Him and be known by Him. It's an intimate relationship. And it doesn't, it's not a bunch of works. It's not, it's not a list of things to do. And I, I'll give you an example. I very rarely ever have to put gas in my car. Randy always does it for me. I just, I don't, it's just something he does. He takes care of my car and changes the oil. But I can go down to the quick oil and I can let them change the oil in my car and they will do a very good job. And they might even do a better job than Randy. But that will never make that man my husband. That will never allow that man into my life like Randy is. I know Randy. Randy knows me. We have a relationship. So, and the same thing the other way. If, you know, I cook dinner for him, but we can go to a restaurant and somebody else can cook and it may taste good. It may be even better. But they don't get access to his life because of something they've done. We get access because of the time that we spend getting to know one another. I invested in him. He invested in me relationship. So that's the difference. And that's who Jesus is coming back after. Colossians 1, 26 and 27. I want to read that to you this morning. Because this is what it's about. Colossians 1, 26 says the mystery which has been hidden from ages and from generations, but now has been revealed to his saints. To them, God willed to make known what are the riches of the glory of this mystery. Now here's the mystery. Among the Gentiles, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. See, we are coming to the glorious church. Now I know you're familiar with that. Ephesians 5 says Jesus is coming back after He's, that the, uh, the glorious church is going to be without spot and without blemish. And that's who we are. So we know that. How do we get to that place? We're all, our spirits are already spotless. They're already, there's not another thing that you can do for your spirit. Because it's Jesus did it. If we could do something to change our spirit, we wouldn't have needed Jesus. Then the, you know, the, the resurrection, the death and resurrection of Jesus would have been for nothing. So your spirit's perfect, but what do we do with this flesh? And that, that's where if we can come up to this higher place, then the spirit is strong enough to control our flesh. The reason the, flat, the, the danger, you know, we read last night about the perilous times. The reason they're dangerous is because it's subtle. The, the enemy comes in very subtly, and he attacks us in our flesh. 
Your spirit is never attacked by the enemy. The Bible says you can't touch it. But your flesh is what's connected to this world. And so we have to guard it. We have to keep our, that's why we keep our mind set above, set on things above this earth. The, you know, the, the world is petty. And, and sometimes, you know, sometimes we just want what we want. Sometimes we've had a bad day. And, but love, you know, man, if you go to Corinthians and you read that love chapter, I think that's a tall order, Lord. How do I do? How do I? How do I not behave rudely? How do I keep no record of wrong? Do you know how many times this person has done this thing to me? But that we can do it through the Spirit, and if you do it through the Spirit, it's easy. It's not a chore. You're not working. You're doing it from the inside out, and that's what we want to talk to you about today. Uh, I'm going to tell what happened to us when Randy said, you know, we were talking about, I I guess it's been about seven or eight months ago. I was, and let me just say this, we work. We work, we have jobs, we work. And it was one of those days, I was getting ready to do some book work and I walked around, I had everything spread out. So I walked around and I had, in the background, I had, the Believer's Voice of Victory playing, you know, I had they, and I noticed they were about to start their uh, Believer's Convention, and it was going to be on live. So I, I just remember walking around the side, and I looked up, and I saw it, and I thought, hmm, I need to watch that. So I just walked over and sat down in front of it. Now, I've got a bunch of work to do behind me. But this arrested me. So I sat down. And I'm there all day long. Randy comes in from work and I said, look, this is on live. He walks around and he sits down in the chair. And there we are. I cannot tell you why we did that. We had a week full of stuff to do. But that's what we did. We sat down And this went on for days. We did this. Now, we got up. We had things to do. We had kids to take to school. So we we get all of that done. But then we come right back, and we sit down, and we're watching. And we're immersing ourselves in this, uh, this program. And God starts talking to us. And we're just, it, it's like you're, you can't get enough. You know, I'm waking up now that I'm doing this and Now I'm waking up before daylight because I can't get enough. So I'm I'm in here before daylight. I'm praying and I'm getting ready for this thing to start. And so I don't. I guess it's one night after um, I think we had been at church that night. We come home and we're sitting down and we're talking about this week. You know, this thing went on for four or five days. And so Randy said, "You remember what so and so said in that?" And so I'm. I picked up my notes. I said, yeah, you know, wait a minute. And I closed it, and I said, Randy, that was a month ago. And we literally, it, it felt like it, about four days had gone by. Now, we were not in some trance where we didn't know what was going on in our lives. We were very present. But something supernatural happened, and, and in this time, I remember getting up. I had been studying and I would get up and think I need to go. I've got some, th- I've neglected some things in the office. I need to go do some things there. And so I literally got up, walked into the office. And when I got in there, I had already done it. I had no memory of doing it until I stepped in there. When I stepped in the office, I remembered, oh yeah, I did that about three days ago. I took care of every bit of this. But, and it was done, and I would do that like in, in household chores. You know, I, we, we have a house. It's real. We have real laundry. It has to be done. I get to do it. So I walk in and to do my laundry. It's all done. And in that moment, I remember I did that. I've already taken care of that. I felt like the only way I know how to describe it is I'm listening. The Holy Spirit, he says, do this. So I take that step. I take the next step. He says, now go do this. I turn and I do that. It was easy, easy, easy. Everything was smooth. 
Everything was done. I, and then at the end of the day, I had extra time. Now, only God can do that. Only God can do that. But that's what he was showing us this place, this place where he wants his church to live and dwell. We're supposed to dwell in this place. You're not supposed to be beat down. We're supposed to be above where Christ is seated. You know, in Ephesians, in chapter 1, God raised Jesus up, right? Raised him and seated him in heavenly places far above all principality, every name that's named. In chapter 2, where did he put us? It says he raised us up together with Jesus Christ. God, who is rich in mercy with his great love, which he loved us. It's a picture of his grace. He raised us up in the present state we're in and put us in the high place with Jesus. So that's the place we're supposed to live out of. That's where Colossians 3.1 is. It's in that place where we're seated with Christ. So all these things don't bother us. They don't, that yes, attacks come, but they don't have the effect that they do when you're walking in the flesh. Because when we're walking in the flesh, we're subject to everything. But when you're walking with Jesus, the Bible says that even the devils tremble, remember? They're subject to you because we're the glorious church. That's what the church looks like that Jesus is coming after. It's not defeated, barely making it. And I know physically, I know what the churches look like today. I know that they're emptying out and it's not. And I know that the church down the road is filling up with... And they're doing, and then they're going out and they're reaching people to come in and they're saying, We'll just take you like you are. You can do whatever you want to do, be whoever you want to be, believe what you want to be, believe, but just get in the seat so we can count you. We're seeing that. I know what, the, what we're, you know, the things that are against us as far as the church. I know the, the seeker friendly, and, the, and it looks like they're prevailing, it looks like they're winning. Jesus has never left the throne since he's been back. He's still there, and we're still seated with him. So no matter what it looks like, Jesus is still coming back after the glorious church. The, it's Christ in you, the hope of glory. It's about a relationship. That's what it, and, and it's really very simple. That's all it's about. It's about, does Jesus know me? I know within a, there is no doubt in me. Jesus knows me, and I know Jesus. But when that's what we've got to have. We've got to have that relationship. And then all of these things in our lives that seem so big, they just, they just not necessarily go away, but they become small. It's a perspective change. And you see things for what they really are. You know, the Bible says that when uh, we look at the devil, we're going to say, is this, is this what made the world tremble? Nations trembled at this? You have, do you ever wonder why in movies then? I, do, I, don't, I don't watch scary movies. I never have. I don't like, I just don't, that's not something I like to do. But the world makes these big scary movies. And the monsters in these things are terrible. They're huge. They're ugly. They're scary. Why is that? Who made monsters and things like that be so big and scary? I believe it was the devil. He's got to paint himself bigger than he is. Jesus defeated him. That's what we have to remember. We don't have to contend with him like we're in the world because we're above. What we do have to contend with is our own flesh. And so our own mind can be our worst enemy sometimes. That's why he says, renew it, renew it. Remember what Jesus said. The Holy, he sent us his precious Holy Spirit to remind us of everything Jesus said. So there's nothing that can be left out that we miss because the Holy Spirit's right here to remind us and to show us who, who we really are. I like the analogy of the, the mirror because sometimes we do stand in front of that mirror and then walk away and forget but the Holy Spirit is here to remind us every day if we will let him, if we'll just let him be who he is and allow us through the grace of God be who he created us to be. 
And, you know, we can't do that without God's grace. Thank God for his grace and mercy. But, but like, you know, Randy said, that's what gives us the strength. That's what gives us the authority to stand up and do the things that God has for us to do. You know, one thing that we were several years ago with a minister, and he was uh, ministering to us. He didn't even know we were ministers. But he looked at he said, you, uh, you are ministers. And, of course, we said, yes, we are. He said, God said that you're going to be back in the pulpit full time, but this time it's going to be easy. It's not going to be like it was before. It's not going to be filled with yokes and burdens and things. And so, now, you know, now, this was years and years ago. We're starting to walk that out now. Now, do we still have to deal with things? Yes, same things. But it's easy. It's not like it was before because we've had a shift in our perspective. We've had a shift in our high place. We're coming at it from this place instead of down here. So you're, you're more than conqueror. When the Bible says that be of good cheer, I have overcome him in the world, that's really what that means. Jesus has done the work for us. He's done the work. We just have to stand up and receive it and walk in the place of our victory. And that's the high place where Jesus is. So we just, we just come today, we wanted to just encourage you just to, to say don't quit. And, and, just, and don't get caught up in the, uh, in the place of complacency. Don't be one of the ones who are still left in the chair because Jesus is coming. You know, you, you know, it was in the Bible it talked about John. He was to prepare the way for the Messiah. And Jesus came and he preached the kingdom is coming. You know, the kingdom. Well, the kingdom is here, but Jesus is coming. And I believe it's, you know, it's like your pastor said, there's a sliver of time. We're living in that sliver of time at the last of the last days. And so we are going to go out victorious. Yes. We're going to go out victorious. You know, at the end of the scriptures that Pastor that uh, Randy was reading this morning in Colossians, it says your life is hidden in Christ. And when he appears, you will appear with him in glory. That is the glorious church. That's who you are. That's who we are. Amen? Amen. Praise the Lord.